0: david but sometimes oh god the transition's back uh, sometimes it has your picture up there next to me and sometimes it has your name
1: yeah what up with that
0: what up with that i don't know i'm
1: right. seeing my picture I'm. now, now i'm not hey. hearing your audio now are you hearing me
0: i am <sighs> uh, I lost this I lost this fantasy challenge we did with draft.com yesterday. The mug versus the Doug. So yeah. it was Nick Denning versus me. Did you check the score? Nick twenty two twenty four to one ninety six. He had Kimba mm. Walker, James Harden, LeBron James, Carl Anthony Towns, and Joel Embiid. Really was LeBron. Sixty four points. That's tough to come back from. I went lamb over Dwight. Should have gone Kaminsky, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. But Lamb, 16, two rebounds, five assists. Five assists? One beautiful one. steal, a block. 30 points overall, just as many as Kemba. Russell had 66. Andrew Wiggins hurt me, 27, only 27 points. Well, 27 fantasy points. And then Jokic. See, I let my emotions get to me, David. I took Jokic because Adam Morris from Locked On Nuggets was in here.
1: Yeah right. You want to be respectful and a good host. <sighs>
0: well, that costs.
1: Hey, are you, I'm. You know what? I'm feeling better about our call that Frank could be the breakout fantasy player for this team this year. Although Lamb's still Phew. playing well, but Frank what? after uh, a
0: rough start that wasn't looking gr- that wasn't looking great in preseason.
1: It wasn't looking great last week. <laughs> yeah,
0: now looking. Look, we're looking a lot smarter now.
1: We look so smart right now. Hey, you know what else is smart, dog? You already have your new iPhone, um, but the new new iPhone—I don't want it—will be pre-sale. I didn't. That wasn't. It was not a question and answer portion <laughs> of this. This is a statement portion. Pre-sale tonight, buddy. Somebody's gonna be setting their alarm.
0: Good for you. Enjoy yeah. that. Enjoy yeah, that, that strip good. of black over the over the screen it's not fully oh. it's not fully edge to edge hey Rich Rich is in the chat <laughs> he says if we're gonna finish first seed who will get second now the Cavs or the Wizards <laughs> Rich is pop he's high don't blame him I like it uh, hey by the way that fantasy uh, draft that we did draft.com sign up follow us on draft.com L-O-H Doug L-O-H Nick L-O-H David and join us for a little fantasy more details next week draft Wednesdays start the show you are locked on Hornets
1: part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
2: in a minute cuz we live we We (laughs) live
0: This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NFL, the NBA, and fantasy sports. If you're not listening to Locked On NBA, great show hosted by our fair leader, David Locke, and real inside access to the, the NBA overall, he has these great guests, the scouts, uh, the 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 front office guy. These these kind of anonymous characters that come on and give like really great analysis. So check that out if you haven't already. We are coming to you live from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte, heart of the Queen City, always beautiful after a Hornets victory. We're going to fully recap that win over Denver, plus a lot more. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend from the mean streets of Cotswold, David Walker.
1: Did you hear
0: that? Did you hear that, Doug? Was that you, like pre-ordering an iPhone? What is this? No, nah, this is that was me popping the top on a Lacroix. Oh my God, Lacroix boys! <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Steve
0: Let's Bob's on. Steve Bob's on vacation. I hate to break it to oh, well, not going to be here long. for Fun yeah, Friday. He's,
1: he's, 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 Month. He's earned it.
0: Uh your Wi Fi signal is bouncing off your LaCroix there, David. We'll get you back.
1: No Wi-Fi here, my man. I don't know what's going on.
0: Um, okay, DJ quote saying, ready to wake up at 2 45 a.m. and pre order my phone. So you got somebody, David, to join you. That's right. Pre order right. the iPhone X.
1: Yeah, it's the 10, but
0: that's fine. Double M that's <laughs> okay. Double M15 in the house. What up, Ness? Join us on the live chat, youtube.com forward slash locked on Hornets. And he says, welcome to the NBA, Malik Monk. Oh, you know, Mm. we're going to talk about that as well. So, David, I mean, I guess we just get right into it. Let's get into this Denver recap. 110 93 blowout victory for the Charlotte Hornets. And the big story going into this game was the return of Michael Kidd Gilchrist after missing most of the preseason and the first three regular season games. He was on a minutes restriction in this one, got about six or seven minutes per half, but did start the game. And part of him starting the game, David, even though he was going to be on a minutes restriction, was that the Hornets wanted to get off to a better defensive start in that first quarter. Did you think they accomplished that?
1: Well, I thought they certainly got off to a better start. That's for sure. I mean, their shooting was hot all night. But, yeah, I think he brings another level uh, to that starting unit and just the ability to defend out on the wing. So, I mean, it was certainly good to have him back. He looked – I thought he might be super winded at first, and maybe he did after that first six or seven-minute stretch. But I thought he looked pretty good. took a shot, took an early shot, so he must have been feeling good.
0: Yeah, I thought he looked. Obviously he's going to look a little rusty offensively and and that's, you know, that's not necessarily his strength anyway. He's going to be looked to for defense and they held the Denver Nuggets to 44% in that first quarter while MKG was in the game, 10 points and then 23 for the quarter overall and then what, 39 or 36, excuse me, for that first half. So the Hornets getting off to a better start defensively, a lot of that, too, had to do with the fact that they weren't turning the ball over. Only two turnovers in that first quarter. That's going to be key to getting off to great starts because you don't give your opponent easy opportunities uh, to, to score. Uh, but So that was the story going into the game. But, David, the story coming out of this game were twofold. Frank Kaminsky on fire consistently scoring in a variety of ways, not only from beyond the arc, but also inside with a a variety of skill moves. And then Malik Monk finally, you know, the lid finally coming off for Malik Monk. So which, David, I'll give you, dealer's choice, which one would you like to start talking about?
1: I think we would be remiss if we didn't chat up a little Malik Monk because he's been struggling so bad, Doug. And he opened it up with that dunk and then yeah, I think he had one more fall, and then he really got into a groove and found some nice looks, a lot of the same looks he's had, and just saw the ball go through the net man. I think it really helped him. Uh, he looked a lot more comfortable. he was also playing with Kemba some, but uh, he got he got some good looks, and it was obviously great to see him finally get into a groove.
0: yeah, and after the game, uh, he said you know it, it felt really, really good uh, to finally see it go through the hoop. here's what he had to say nice. it felt too good it felt
2: great. Uh, Every shot was rattling in and out. I'm like, yo, come on. But uh, Coach told me to be patient. Uh, let the game come to me. And that's what happened tonight. So
0: a couple of important things from that clip. First of all, Coach Clifford meeting with him before the game, telling him, you know, be patient, stick with it. There, there's a belief in Malik Monk from this team. They, dra- they drafted him 11th overall. And, the, you know, the, the shots are going to fall and i think the team believes that and they just you know wanted to make sure his confidence was up but but i think the big takeaway from that clip david is that you know we saw malik monk coming into the league wanting to win rookie of the year talking about how he played a lot of point guard in high school and you could almost infer that he was saying like that the the transition to point guard in the nba and his offensive game in general would would not be that different. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair to say these first couple of games were a little bit of a of a wake up call, right? That things uh, yeah. would be different.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Clifford alluded to that in his post game comments last night. You mentioned them meeting prior to the game, but Clifford talked about how useful it could be for Malik to play, be able to play both positions. And he also talked about like a lot of the things they do for Kimball on offense, like 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 when he gives up the ball and gets it back. And some of, the, some of the sets, I guess, they run on offense. Like, they don't have that stuff in from Malik yet. So, I mean, it's still definitely a process. It's obviously clearly early. Um, but, yeah, that's a massive, massive jump, Doug. I mean, think about it from just two years ago, right? Not even two years. From high school to college where, like you said, he really didn't play on ball. And now up into the NBA, it's, it's just a chasm of a jump. And so to get used to that, to the, to the uh, more physical players, you know the guys like Baysmore, or uh, I mean, even some of the point guards that are just going to be super quick on you. That's a major adjustment, and to be able to do that, bring the ball up, and then worry about your offensive game is a, is a lot for a young guy. I actually think he's done okay. I think it would look a lot better had some of these shots fallen early, but but it's not shaking his confidence. I think mean, that's the big thing that you mentioned.
0: And if you're not watching here on YouTube, but you didn't get a chance to see the video of Malik Monk, but before he goes into that he has a literal sigh of relief. He says, felt too good. And I I think again, when, when I've had interactions with him in the preseason and, and and people have seen him, you know, give interviews and different things. He, what did he do, David? He exuded confidence, bravado. And then he comes out these three games, turns the ball over Shots aren't going down, and I think it would have been impossible for just a little tiniest sliver of doubt to start to creep in. But the coaching staff was behind him. He's very confident in his offensive game. He finally, you know, gets a few shots to fall. And after the game, you know, a sigh of relief. It's nice to see. I think it will benefit him in the long run. The, those, those, the, the struggles of those first three games and, and you mentioned Steve Clifford after the game I, I've got that video as well talking about the transition uh, two point guard in the
2: NBA it's tough but it's different for him you know I mean he just played a whole year and probably most of his life where he's running around and they're bringing the ball to him versus now he's bringing the ball up the floor and we have things that we'll do we do it for Kemba, you know, but we're, we're not there yet where they give it up and they get it back. You saw some tonight with Kemba, and that's where he had that little spurt during the fourth quarter, but we don't have all that stuff in, you know? So um, I just like his attitude, and uh, he, you know, his defense the last two games has been a lot better, also. So Monk is, I, we've
0: talked about this on the show, David. Monk is being put in, in a different position than I think maybe even the coaching staff would have envisioned initially because of the lingering injury to Michael Carter Williams and not even having their third backup point guard option in Julian stone, who will be out with a while out a while with this hamstring issue. So monks having more responsibility at the point guard position than I think any of us thought that he would. Uh, Do you think that is hurting his development or, or helping his development?
1: Yeah, I mean, as Clifford mentioned, it's important for his development, which I think is the main thing. Right off the bat, I'm sure it's not easy for him to do all of that stuff. So I guess in the short run, I suppose you could say it was hurting. You know what I mean? I I don't think it's helping him get up to speed as fast as possible, getting to his strength, which is shooting. But over the long run, he's going to have to be able to do that. And I think for this team, actually, once you get Batum back, once you get Michael Carter-Williams back, Julian Stone, Like if Malik has that experience, it's only going to be a positive for him, you know. So I think that him doing it now may hurt him in the short run. And he's going to have down nights still, but I think he's going to have some good nights like he did last night as well. And I think that's the important thing. His development, you know, they're going to need him to be able to do that at some point. And he's going to be able to need to be able to do that, too. So I think it's good in the long run.
0: Okay, a lot of talk on the chat right now about Frank Kaminsky, double M15, saying, Hope, this is the Frank that we see all year. David saying, I don't think we need to start the Frank starting question again, but I do expect him to be the closer. 28 minutes for Frank Kaminsky, 9 of 15 from the field, only five three-point attempts and only two makes. And I say only – because of, of how much yeah. action he's getting in the paint and how effective he is. He finishes the game with 20 points, four rebounds, and three assists. David, those three assists, that's been a, a consistent mark for Frank Kaminsky as well. He's seeing the floor better, making a great choices on the ball. He's just doing great things right now for the Charlotte Hornets.
1: And looks like a completely different player. Yeah, I remarked during the game last night that he looks completely different from the last two years, barring, you know, or uh,
0: David. David. A David, David,
1: and last
0: David, you're having a, you a few connection issues, making you sound like you're in slow motion. This is like an episode of Twin Peaks, I think. You're going to start talking that backwards. That
1: was the normal talking.
0: <laughs> All right, go, go ahead. Yes, Frank Kaminsky.
1: sorry. Uh, Frank Kaminsky looks like a different guy, Doug. I mean, from the first week of the season even. But even last year, you know, we talked so much about that stretch after the All-Star break where he had a really good month and he seemed a lot more confident. But this focus, and you mentioned it last week, he looks like he's all business. You know what I mean? And he is focused on making a move and taking advantage of where he has a mismatch. But his shots going in. I mean, some of these fadeaways are are money in the bank right now. Tough and, shots. Yeah, real tough shots. So, but but he's he's liking them the whole way through. So,
0: and he's I, what what I like about Frank Kaminsky right now is that he's initiating contact. Go back and watch some of these uh, some of these maneuvers that he's putting uh, putting on display in the paints, And he was going right at Wilson Chandler. He was going uh, right at Paul Millsap. Both of those players are physical defenders known as as guys that want to get a body into you. And I think it goes back to the work that he's been able to put in this offseason because uh, he has had the offseason to do that. He has not been injured. He had the chest issue, the lung issue last offseason that really derailed what he was trying to do to his body. Because we've seen it so many times with these Sort of tweener players that if they don't have the body right, then they can't get the game right. And, and I think you're you're seeing that Frank feels comfortable in his own body, and when when he when he's comfortable, he's out there initiating contact. He's finishing through contact, playing the most confident game that he that he has so far. Three straight games now with uh, over 18 points. And and David, honestly, where would the Hornets be? Right now, without Frank Kaminsky's consistent scoring off the bench, without Dwayne Bacon being a more than a competent defender, somebody that could easily replace MKG, and you you get that baseline of defense when he comes in for MKG in that game, and Dwight Howard's dominance on the boards, I think the Hornets would be zero and four.
1: Yeah, and Lamb, you know, Lamb's been a consistent scoring threat as well. Um, So they've had some guys step up. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and, and that's a great point on Frank's health and him feeling good to start the season. That's something we highlighted and and a reason we thought he may be able to make a little jump here in the first part of, of this season. But he just wasn't able to get comfortable last year. And by the time he did, you know, the season was almost over. And so that really held him back last year. And this year he sounded focused. On making up for that and he certainly looks he's not shying away from from even these big guys he's going into them like you mentioned he's looking for the contact and he's taking the smaller guys down in the post and I mean two for five last night Doug but those threes look confident they look good um he's hitting them with more regularity so an all-around good offensive game right now for Frank Kaminsky which is huge for the Hornets with all these guys out
0: I'm pulling up these numbers now for the, the corner three because there's a there's a lot of talk about Frank Kaminsky's passing. Three assists last night, and he's he's been driving and kicking, and a lot of those kicks are going to the corner, and it's going to guys like Marvin Williams. It's going to guys like Dwayne Bacon. It's going to guys like Malik Monk, and the corner three has not been a cornerstone for the Hornets. You like what I did there? For the mm-hmm. Hornets' offense, And it's that contribution plus a few other guys. And I think the the fact that you have Dwight Howard underneath the rim, that's drawing, you know, drawing the defense down closer to the paint that's allowing the Hornets to get more involved with the corner three frequency of the corner three third in the NBA at 10.2%. We know the corner three has been established as one of the most efficient places that you can score on the floor. So, you know, the Hornets have not been traditionally ones. They were 30th last year in frequency, 22nd the year before, 29th the year before that. Ever since Clifford's been here, they have not been a corner three shooting team. They're third right now in frequency and 10th in percentage, shooting 40% from beyond the arc uh, when it comes to the corner three. So, uh, again, I think that's a, that's a big part of... Frank Kaminsky becoming an all-around player is not only developing the three-point shot, that's 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 come and gone, and not only these, these Dirk Nowitzki, Hakeem Olajuwon, dream shake type moves he's putting on people in the paint, mm-hmm. that comes with confidence, but also mm-hmm. the passing, the vision. The game seems to be, and it's kind of cliche to say this, David, but the game does seem to be slowing down for him. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, he, he's, he's seeing things that he wasn't seeing previously.
1: Yeah. And I think the health is a reason that you can take a little more stock in this and not just say it's a small sample size. I mean, honestly, I think you can feel good about this continuing, uh, throughout the season, hopefully a little, a little more assuredly than you could, you know, if it was just out of the blue and you didn't have this injury last year, you know what I mean? He's, he's healthy and he's feeling good. So that's been that's always been the key with Frank. It seems like when he's confident, and when he's ready to go, he's a much more effective player. But I'm with you, um, much more much more decisive. And uh, those moves he's pulling off, like the show and go, and you know the kickback jumpers, that they, they are falling now. And he's not afraid to use them. And taking they're, they're, adv- they're and taking advantage
0: of mismatches as well, David. He got one on on Jamal Murray, and again, just yep. backed him down. Turnaround jump shot. knew Murray had zero chance. At getting yep. a hand anywhere near Frank Kaminsky, and, and he does a great job with that. For more on Kaminsky, let's kick it to our Inside the Locker Room segment with uh, Steve. We'll, we'll hear from Clifford and Kaminsky in this one.
2: For him, it's purpose of play. It's his decision making: one to drive, one to pass, one to shoot, and his movement, how he's playing off the ball. I mean, he's taking what the defense gives him. Uh, to me, that's his. Uh, you know, I tell him this all the time. He'll tell you that to me, for him to be the player he can be, he's got to be an all-around player.
1: I mean, I've always been a player that likes to have the ball. Um, you know, I like initiating offense. I like shooting. I've just been able to do everything. Um, like you said, there's just confidence there right now, and I think a lot of that has to do with the, having a full off offseason, uh, having no break. Uh, I just felt comfortable coming into camp, and it's translated to the season.
0: Okay, David. There were a few things. It's, it's you know it's it's easy to go all positive when you blow a team out one ten to ninety three. They were up uh, by twenty most of this game. There was a little run in the, at the end of the third quarter in the beginning of the fourth quarter where the 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 Nuggets. I think they cut it to as close uh, as thirteen at one point. So they kept it double digits throughout the fourth quarter, but it, it required inserting Kimball Walker into the early fourth quarter. And you don't get to back down his minutes at all. 32 minutes, only 29 minutes for Jeremy Lamb in this one. So you got to bring down his minutes a little bit. But that's uh, uh, some of that is the fact that you have Malik Monk, a rookie at the backup point guard position right now uh does that does that concern you at all that Kimba has to come in save the team again hits uh gets five quick ones one on a step back a beautiful step back jumper and then uh he knocked down a lot of his free throws nine of nine from the line tonight or last night did that a lot in the fourth quarter does that concern you David
1: I think they were going to make a run at some point. Um, the Nuggets are a pretty good and pretty talented team. And the bench for the Hornets had been playing so well all night. Uh, it's hard to fault them. But you'd like to see them focus and, and close it out to bring Kemba back in. Um, I don't know that it's disconcerting. It's good to see Kemba come in there and just put in a you know a quick little run by himself. I'll say that. But the minutes thing, I think that's the only part that really concerns you is he's playing so many minutes right now, and he has to. The difference with him on the floor – Um, up until this game was massive. So, uh, yeah, sure, you'd like to close them out. They're going to make a run, though, and and it's nice to have a guy like Kimbo over there where you can't throw him back in there. But I think the minutes is is the biggest deterrent to that.
0: I want to go back to what uh, one of our commenters said in the live chat, David M., saying, I don't think we need to start the Frank Kaminsky Mm -hmm. starting question, uh, but I expect him to be the closer, says uh, David M. David... You've got Marvin Williams, who's been a little quiet to start the season. You've got Frank Kaminsky, his backup, on fire right now. Is is David is day? I'm going to ask David about David. Is David M right? Should we not start the Frank starting conversation, or is it time?
1: Well, it's funny, Doug. I don't know about you, but I noticed a little more bounce in Marvin's step last night. I mean, he was uh, getting up the floor with a little more fluidity. He mm-hmm. was. Exploding towards the basket. I mean, I thought he had one of his better games of the season last mm-hmm. night. He looked a little more spry to me. And our good friend Nada, you know, noted me on on, on Twitter saying that was that was pride in that bounce. His spot was on the line. Oh, so I certainly, yeah, you think I, so? I, I, you know, I think again it would take a, a a a big time drop off from Marvin and then a big time step up from Frank. But uh, Frank's playing well. And if that is going well i I don't know that you mess with it right now, but uh I think having him close is certainly more in line with with the thinking I think uh, again, we know how much Clifford values Marvin, we know how much they depend on him, and he has had a a rough start to this season, but he's had that before, like you said a couple of weeks uh, a couple days ago um so I don't think I don't think it's I don't think he's on the cusp right now.
0: Here's what I think about this situation. you've got Frank Kaminsky with 28 minutes last night, Marvin Williams with 21 minutes. He, mm-hmm. he's, he's getting more minutes than Marvin Williams right now. And I don't expect that to end anytime soon. I think you start the game with Marvin Williams. I think you start the game with Michael kidd Gilchrist because you, you want to come out with a defensive mentality, not let certain guys get into a rhythm, not let a team get into a rhythm. Because the thing about the first quarter, to me... Is that you know whoever wins the first quarter doesn't necessarily win an NBA basketball game because there are runs all over the place like we saw it in Atlanta or when Atlanta came to town like twenty point lead in the second quarter doesn't mean anything but what the first quarter does mean is that you you either let certain players get into a rhythm like they did with Tobias Harris uh, in Detroit or you don't And, and that can have impacts throughout the game. And I think that's why Clifford likes to start the game with defense. So, regardless of whether you start Marvin Williams or you start Michael Kick Gilchrist, I really think there are going to be other players that step up and, and, and get more minutes if they continue to play well. I think Frank Kaminsky is one of those players. I don't necessarily. If you, you maybe he closes games, maybe he doesn't. I think that's going to be dependent a lot on matchups and a lot on where they are. You know, game situation, but. Yeah, I, I could definitely see Frank Kaminsky continuing to get a, a bigger role. See, I think we, we kind of get caught up on this this uh, label of starter. And, and on certain teams, it matters. And, and I, I think with like playoff contending teams, or, or champ, I should say championship contending teams, when your starters are going to play, you know, 36, 37 minutes, when you have a big three, then starting probably matters. But when you've got a team where everybody has to contribute in some form or fashion, I, I think I think this team is going to end up having a sixth man, a seventh man, and an eighth man. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and if they've got a healthy Nick Batum and they've got a healthy Kemba Walker in that starting lineup, I mean, you kind of got your scoring there, right? And I, I know that Clifford probably wants to keep some of that scoring bench or scoring punch coming off the bench. If you have Lamb, eventually, if you have Frank, if you have Malik, and then Cody Zeller. I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty nice second unit. And he talks all the time about groups playing together. So so yeah, I'm with you. I, I thought their minutes would be, you know, maybe close to even. Um, and and that's where it may shake out. But look, Marvin's you know got some age, uh, got some miles on him, and. Uh, his limits may continue to go down, but Frank's certainly playing well enough. I think the big thing is he's playing well enough for for that for people to maybe start looking that way. But it, it's working for him. It's working for the team so far right now, and I think that that's how it'll stay for a little
0: bit. I think this all stems back to the Giannis dunk for Frank. He got one. He got when, one. Over, he got one over the Greek freak, and it's like, uh, like lightning struck his anything. bat. It's like the plot of. <laughs> Rookie of the year. Like he just suddenly has powers. I forget that. How did he get the powers? He like broke his arm, right? What happened in rookie of the year? Uh, that's, I don't know. Lightning, lightning struck his arm, right? I don't know. Anyway, something happened to Frank.
1: Something happened. Duncan Yannis in rookie of the year, I think. Right.
0: And I, yeah. yeah. Angels came down from the sky and gave him powers. That's what I believe. Hornets look good right now, David, and and I didn't expect this, honestly. When you talk about Nick Batum being out, Michael Kidd Gilchrist being out for the first three games and limited minutes in this fourth, Cody Zeller, so important to the team, was supposed to be... Like, Zeller was supposed to be the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Zeller was supposed to be the player that gave them a mismatch. the 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 depth that they needed to take the step to get back into the playoffs. And without Zeller, it's been Frank Kaminsky. He's been the mismatch, which is crazy. Like Mike Malone after the game, Denver Nuggets head coach, Mike Malone, said that Frank Kaminsky was the, was the turning point in this game. They played two bigs, and Frank Kaminsky stretched those bigs out, and then when they tried to play him up, he, he was able to drive. That's the thing, his quickness. It's the same thing that we saw with Cody Zeller when he transitioned to the center role is that he was able to use his quickness to get by defenders that, that couldn't guard him.
1: Yeah, it's unexpected, Doug, because we haven't seen it, right? I mean, we haven't seen this bench consistently be a, a force on offense or able to hold a lead or even able to stop people. So that's something we didn't know. And we didn't see it last year. That was kind of the issue. And so when all these guys are out and when you lose a key guy on the bench like Cody Zeller, then who knows? But that was the big thing for for him and and Monk. And even Lamb is starting, but we didn't know that that was going to be a consistent thing either.
0: And it's a team that's still trying to find its groove, right? We're still not seeing the the Kimball Walker, Kimba, to Dwight, Dwight Howard, yep. alley-oop hookup. Uh, Dwight Howard opening up a few three-point opportunities for Kimball Walker, uh, um, uh with uh, with the with the high pick and roll but we're not seeing that two man game between Kimba Walker and Dwight Howard yet it's still yet so to That's de- going to get better. That's going to get that's what I'm saying that's going to get better. Yeah. So two and two I think you have to be blessed to be two and two at this point point. and really you're you're a couple of bad shot uh, bad shot selections from Jeremy Lamb and Kimball Walker at the end of that Milwaukee game, from being three and one, or at least having a shot to be three and one. Sure. I think, you know, with I'll all be- of these injuries, I, and, and and to me, it just says, you know, this team right now fighting like hell.
1: Oh yeah, uh, there's some teams that are not uh, across Denver. The league, but- <laughs> I, I thought Denver
0: kind of gave up on that game. I, I thought. You know, it was you know, odd. Like Dwight Howard was able to really, and Johnny O'Brien. haven't mentioned him yet, but he had a fantastic yeah, game yeah. as well. Three of seven from the field. They've just got a lot of skilled big men right now. A lot of guys that could like Johnny O'Brien was taking guys off the dribble. He had the turnaround pull-up uh, going as well from the baseline. Hit like, a three.
1: Hit a three. I mean, I, I felt a lot better after that Milwaukee game than you probably should feel after a loss. And I think it's clear that these guys felt a little... Inspired after that game, you know what I mean. They felt like they were right in that game. They could have played with a guy as a superstar, and everybody continued their play. We talked about the high level of play they got from just about everybody that Milwaukee game. It, it fell right into the last night, and I think you're right. The Cody, I mean the Kimba and Dwight thing is only going to get better. We should mention Doug uh, free throws for Dwight last night, seven, seven of eleven, of
0: eleven, and there were a lot of questions. It was, it was,
1: yeah, and was not shying away from contact. I mean, never does. But after going 0 of nine and so much focus being on that, I mean, he was almost looking to get back to the line.
0: Yeah, and Clifford before the game saying, "Look, it's you know, it's confidence affects concentration." And he he hits them in practice. We've heard that before. We heard that with Shaquille O'Neal, they hit him in practice, and then the, then the 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 game happens, and something goes haywire with the confidence and that leads to lack of concentration and that leads to missed free throws. He was 0 of 9 in the previous game, comes back, and I think he knew, you know, it's it's not like he went, well, I'm 0 for 9, whatever. Like, that hurts. And especially in a tight game like that, with with a player that has that superstar mentality that wants to be a difference maker, 0 of 9 does not feel good. And I'm sure that was on his mind. And to see him respond with 7 of 11... Very encouraging, and the fans loved and, it.
1: And also, I think he won the head head games battle between he oh, and yeah. Jokic. Jokic I mean, only eighteen comment. points.
0: Trust me, I know. I lost my fantasy gaming <laughs> day because of that.
1: But they were both going back and forth. That uh, you know, at one point I thought it might get a little uh, combustible. But I think he definitely got it in his head. He definitely frustrated him more so than the other way around. So you got to get physical yeah, with Jokic.
0: If you get physical with Jokic, if you foul, he doesn't want like he wants to. He wants to get free in the lane so that he can pass. He can get that floater going. I don't think Jokic likes the contact. I don't think. And, and look, he likes yeah, the physicality.
1: And, and look how deep Dwight is getting on some of those post ups. Even when he has Jokic on him, I mean, he is almost right underneath the basket. You know, he got an and one late because he had such deep post position. And I, I can't remember. Maybe it was Monk. I can't remember who found him. Kimba maybe, but. Uh, He is using his body in a way right now where he's just dominating guys, and Jokic is not a small man. So he was doing well to get down and get that post position.
0: Look, the bench is playing so well, David, that we're glossing over the fact that Dwight Howard had 15 points and 19 rebounds. And this is the fourth – here's the trivia for you. The fourth straight game of 15 or more rebounds for Dwight Howard. First time that's happened in Charlotte since Mecca Okafor all the way back – in uh aught seven, two thousand and seven. So wow. Dwight Howard dominating the Dominated. boards right now. Four offensive rebounds, giving them second chance point opportunities. I think it's changing again, I think it's fundamentally changing the Hornets offensively, and then having someone inside. And I thought I thought it would be a struggle for Dwight because Jokic would end up pulling him, you know, further away from the basket, and they would be able to get Murray and Harris uh, um, uh, to the rim. And it, it started too early in the game, but I think a common every everybody was just aware aware of that fact that if Dwight Howard was out of the post being pulled away by either Jokic or Millsap, that there were there were guys like Michael Kidd-Gilchrist and Marvin Williams and Dwayne Bacon who were crashing down on those Murray and Harris drives. And they ended up with pretty inefficient nights. Uh, Harris was seven of seventeen, and Murray was seven of twenty. And you know, you beat the Denver Nuggets if that happens. If they, you know, if if you can limit, and Jokic was eight of eleven, but you limited his opportunities. That's what Dwight Howard did. He 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 kept that eleven from because well, first of all, one free throw attempt, and he kept eleven from being fifteen. Right. So, okay. This is a good show, David. A lot of, and you know, it's always fun when the Hornets win and we had a lot to dig into in this one. There's so much, you know, I I just think the Hornets have the Houston Rockets coming in. That's going to be a tough matchup. We'll preview it tomorrow. Uh, And it's Dwight Howard's former team. There's going to be a little storyline there. It's another game at home, Friday night game at home. So yeah, that's going to be a tough one.
1: (laughs) That's going to be a tough one. Um, but like I said, you've got to feel good coming off these two games. If he wanted to beat Atlanta, you got to think he's going to have a similar outlook against Houston. Um, they went to, they went down to the wire last night against the 76ers up there. Uh, needed a little late game three to take that one. So, you know, maybe that and the travel, they'll come out with some tired legs and and the Hornets can, you know, make them run up and down a little bit and, and get them tired. One thing, Doug, I wanted to just note on the broadcast last night, if you don't mind, because I know you were at the game. I was covering Yeah, it, give me the uh, update. Via the television. Stephanie Reddy much, much more involved last night. I mean, ah. focused. Yeah, featured, featured several times. Had two extended interviews, kind of like the Adam Silver interview uh, on the opening night with uh, – Coach John Calipari and uh, national championship head coach Roy Williams from UNC. So I had two extended in-game, in-game action interviews with those two gentlemen, and also I think even more importantly than that, had a had a, an extended breakdown on the telestrator of some of the defensive adjustments the Hornets were making and some of the defensive um, uh, transitions they were doing last night. So I mean, I thought that was. Play, playing evident.
0: to her playing to her strengths
1: yep yep and, and uh, she was focused heavily on that broadcast and and, much more so than she has been
0: and this comes after Rachel Nichols of ESPN the jump uh, um, d- devoting a segment to to this to the petition to the outcry to the what she called the demotion and which was everyone knew it like everyone that saw what happened when Fox initially announced this was like oh so you're you're demoting her to the sideline. Right. But they they wanted to frame it as, no, she's a courtside side analyst. She's, you know, we're moving her closer to the court because we don't have anyone. Other, it's like, okay, but you're demoting her to the sideline. And then the first couple of games, when she's not featured very often, she, yeah. they just reinforce that. And then they go and tell Rachel Nichols, well, we wanted two people in the booth. The three, you know, basically confirming a little bit what we had speculated, which was that the that for them the three person booth was not working.
1: Yeah, I mean, she kicked off the game, you know, and and was present during uh, much more of it than she has been. So it was good to see her back. We'll see, Doug. I think this is a bit of a fluid situation. <laughs> They're obviously it's going listening. To be. To, it's uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. The whole situation because again, you're you're not your Fox Sports. You weren't really completely honest about it. Yeah, and, and, then, and I think whenever and, and you do that, you set yourself up for awkwardness. And
1: and we love Matt Carroll, too. He was fantastic on our show uh, over the offseason, but then they bring him in for the post game. I don't want to say out of nowhere, but I didn't see him. During, you know, he's not on during the game. Um, and he brings some great insights. So I still think they've got some stuff to, to figure out. Obviously, they're still doing that and still tweaking it. Fortunately, they can tweak it, and I would encourage them to get as much Stephanie in there with the breakdowns because that's her strength, and she knows. That's so what much people about the want game. to hear. Yeah, that's what exactly. people
0: want to see. That's what she added. That was her element that she added to that broadcast when she was in the booth. So yeah. yes, play to that strength. Invol- yeah, That's all. You know. Had they had they come out with the initial statement that they did. And said, you know, we want somebody courtside, but she's, you know, still part of the broadcast team, and then involved her like this from the get-go. I- I'm not sure. Maybe there still would have been the hashtag. Don't sideline Stephanie. Steph ready. Maybe, maybe there still would have been a little bit of an outcry, but I'm not sure that you get the the national. You know, the Rachel Nichols and the and the. Um, who else came out and said something? Jamel Hill had, had something to say on Twitter. So I don't know if you would have gotten that if she was, if it was clear that she was being involved in the broadcast.
1: And, and the Rachel Nichols segment was good for me because she really broke down the difference between being in the booth Mm -hmm. and on the Mm -hmm. sideline from, Mm -hmm. from a technical standpoint, like that mic is not open. And this is something Mm -hmm. that you hinted at when we discussed it earlier in the week, like the flow of the game is so fast, you can't throw to her in the middle of a game or in the middle of a play for her reaction. And now we know that she literally cannot just jump in, right? The producer decides that. Sure. And so being out of the booth is different. And so for them to have dedicated segments, you know, obviously they're trying to involve her more and it was very good. But yeah, it's still the difference between being on the sideline and in the booth was a distinction. And I didn't understand the technicalities of it, but certainly... They focused some time for her last night. They went away from the broadcast completely, right? And so they did a little, like, screen, um, picture-in-picture type thing, which, you know, like I said, I think they're still tweaking this thing. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, though.
0: You know what broadcast is never awkward? After the buzzer, our five-minute uh, post-game recap – Uh, Only for our Patreon subscribers, patreon.com forward slash LOH. Head over there. See the benefits of becoming a Patreon subscriber. Every single dollar that you contribute to this show goes to making it better with equipment and services that we use uh, to get this show on air. Every day, and also all of the the inside the locker room segments. The uh, we're, we're going to start doing some stuff with ESPN 7:30 as well. So all of this coverage uh, comes virtue of your support, and we really appreciate it. Patreon.com forward slash LOH and get access to the after the buzzer broadcast. Although David, I have to tell you, so I don't, I don't. Uh, uh, they they assign seats on on the the second press row, and mm-hmm. and I haven't gotten my assigned seat yet. And so I've been squatting with uh, my friends at ESPN 7:30. But last night I got to sit beside the the legendary Bill Rosinski, um, oh. and you know just a Charlotte broadcasting legend. Um, but he and he's my favorite person to sit beside so far because he came to the game and said nothing, and I love it because I'm in the zone, like I'm focused, I'm taking notes. And sometimes you get somebody beside you. I won't name any names. Justin Thomas. Just kidding, love you, buddy. But, like, I'm not, I don't want to chat. I want to, like, I'm focused. I'm trying to, like, watch the game and, you know, tweet and figure out what I want to talk about after the game. So, Bill, working, man. Bill, man, he was in the zone. He was focused and he didn't say a word. And I love him for it. But when we did the, when I went on the air for the after the buzzer, it was a little intimidating, David. Having having Rosensky beside you had an him. Like, audience. Guys,
1: you had a live audience there,
0: a <gasps> live veteran. He audience. was uh, he was just sat there through it, and I'm like, I don't know if he's listening. Is he? Oh my god, it was it was it was nerve wracking. But uh, next
1: time, just lean over to him. I should say, have gotten him involved.
0: Bill? Like just to, yeah, hey Bill, uh, what did you think of the game? I don't know. I don't know what kind of reaction I would have got to that. Um, but yeah, uh, so tune in after the buzzer. Uh, Gets get subscribed on Patreon, and then you'll get access to that show. Uh, Peter joining in uh, on the chat here last second says thing of the broadcasting unit as a basketball team last season, we had three primary ball handlers in our offense transferring her strengths on the sideline is like adding intangible King Cody Zeller. Yes. If they involve her, that's the thing like that was the difference last night is getting her involved, playing to her strengths, doing the things that as a coach, as a former coach and a former player, adding that level of analysis to the game only makes it better. More Stephanie is better, I think. And, and all of us agreed with that. I think, David, you, you know, our point when you and I discussed it was just that I think you and I agreed that something about the the three-person setup was was a little off. And how would, you know, there, I think Fox... Well, certainly they felt that, yeah. They felt I mean. that. And and, yeah. and I think they're trying to f- negotiate and figure out what is what is that next step look like. And it sounds like David that that they found a little bit of a better uh, situation last night. So we'll continue yeah. to keep an eye on it. Uh, the hashtag don't sideline Steph. Ready, great hashtag uh, there by at uh, Hornets Gifts and uh, did uh, Sports Despair at Sports Despair. I was thinking, did Charlotte win last night? That was his initial. Uh, (laughs) He's changed so (laughs) many I know. I can't keep up with it. All right. We're done here. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Follow us on Instagram where we post pics and behind-the-scenes stuff. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow. Fun Friday. What's bugging Doug? There's a few things that are on my nerves. Good luck to all you iPhone pre-orders. I'll reveal those to you tomorrow. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America, let's swarm Charlotte.